BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. everyone and welcome to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. I'm your girl Jacqueline back with Mr. Mark Ellis. I will say sir, it's just good to see you on a consistent basis these it's days. It's good to see you and boy did we have fun last night. We did have fun last night. Ladies and gentlemen, occasionally I will text Mark and say, hey do you want to go to a movie? <laughs> Most of the time he says no because he's a busy man and you know, dog stepfather. I pretend but, to be busy. But last night I got you and it was I think very fitting considering the movie we're doing today. Yeah, well, guys- yeah. So Jacqueline invited me as her plus one to go see Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part One. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. And uh, and so we watched that in anticipation of this movie that we're talking about, which I actually watched on a plane coming back from New York where I was doing shows the last weekend. A couple weekends ago, actually, now. So um, I'm very excited to talk about this movie. This was like a... I, this movie's always in my head as far as, like, the Mission Impossible franchise, even just Tom Cruise movies. Yeah. I'm not saying it's the best. It might even be the worst Mission Impossible movie. But the fact that we're talking about Mission Impossible 2, it's just near and dear to my heart for reasons that I still can't fully articulate. So I have a maybe we can work it out during the next hour. I have a theory about this because this movie was when I really think of anything that Mission Impossible was, it embraced the style of it. Because, like, John Woo may not be this, but he has the theatricality and camp of a drag queen. (laughs) And that is what it is about this movie that is so iconic. And it was, like, at the height of, like, the MTV Movie Awards of Mm -hmm. it all. It was just such a different time. Like, the internet would not let this movie survive (laughs) today. And I think that's why it's such a great throwback. But I'll go ahead and ask our guest joining us today to talk about the John Woo, Tom Cruise, and I think by extension, Bill Ben Stiller classic that is Mission Impossible 2. Crit, <laughs> sir, he's a writer, host, and consultant. Welcome to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. No, thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Uh, so tell us, what is your what is your history with MI2? Like, is this, are you an Ethan Hunt fan? I've called him Ethan Hawke in my head like eight times, that by works. the way. <laughs> that tracks. But like, what is, your, what is your sort of relationship to this story? Uh, you know what? I really like the Mission Impossible movies. I love Ethan Hunt as a character and and as far as MI2 goes I do not think it deserves I, I think along the same lines as Mark like I don't think it deserves the low rating it has do I think it deserves the highest rating absolutely freaking not <laughs> but I think you know for consistency's sake I think it it's somewhere yeah, it's it's not where it should be. Yeah, I mean, it. it's the only rotten movie yeah. out of the franchise, and that ain't going to happen with Dead Reckoning, I, I don't it's, think. So I don't think so either. This yeah. is 56% on the tomato meter, which is like, it's, it's fresh adjacent. But then it's even lower with the audience, 42%. That's kind of where 
I think like I can understand this movie being rotten with critics. The audiences, I'm wondering what left them cold. I think people need to appreciate how Mission Impossible came out of the blue and ended up being a good movie. This was that sort of like backlash to that. Because I remember when they announced Mission Impossible, everyone's like, what, the cheesy show from like the 60s right. where the like the tape explodes like people were like what like this is <laughs> I remember this like Martin Landau was at the premiere and people were like oh you were in the original like it was just like such a disconnect was Martin Landau in the original yeah yeah she's the research department of the <laughs> wait show. but didn't, didn't they they both like the original cast they were like I hate this film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it ended up being like a whole a whole thing more more so than that. But yeah, just like this idea that that this movie ended up being so good as it was. It's almost like John Wick. It was a surprise. And then imagine if the second John Wick ended up being something that was like a big disappointment. I think this got like a lot of backlash, but we'll talk about that. Either way, we are going to break down, you know, Mission Impossible 2 because Dead Reckoning is now out in theaters or it just came out 7-12. We're doing this the day mm-hmm. after. Um, also, go ahead and head on over to rottentomatoes.com and check out all the Mission Impossible movies ranked by Tomato Meter. Again, the only rotten one, but there's these later entries are just like kind of killing the game, surpassing anything else that we have. I will say this before we sort of get into it. This is courtesy of a fan shout out, Alex Heller, who basically has decided that this is the one we're going with today. So <laughs> I, I will say this. I think we're going to have a lot to discuss. I'm mm-hmm. not in any way sad about it, but this is definitely a movie where like all the parts were supposed to work, but didn't. But Mark, before we get much further, please tell us what exactly is the synopsis of Mission Impossible 2? Of Mission Impossible 2. All right. So Ethan Hunt is a super agent. He just wants to spend some time on vacation, but wouldn't you know it? He gets called back into action because there's this devastating virus called chimera and we got to stop it the scientists who are working on it some nefarious things went down with them there's an sort of some sort of evil conglomerate that's trying to get their hands on it so they can have the virus and the cure because that's where the money is and so we need ethan hunt to step in and stop it before this thing kills possibly everybody in the entire world he can't do it alone it's up to anthony hopkins who is his <laughs> boss in this movie to tell him hey you need to recruit whoever you want but we got to have tandy newton at the time we got to have her on board as well. She's a master thief and she has connections to the person that we're trying to get at. But maybe Tom Cruise has some history with that same person too. And so it all ends up being a slam whiz bang action thriller and possibly the greatest shampoo commercial I've ever seen yeah. in my life. The hair in this the movie hair. is so devastatingly well shot. It makes me so insecure when I look at my own locks in the mirror. Just gonna say campy drag queen. He knows a good <laughs> wig. Like, that was not even a wig. That was just like the natural hair that Tom Cruise gave him. But he knows the power mm-hmm. of hair. Any drag oh, queen man. knows the power of hair. Before we go any further well, on... You looked cr- at me when you said that. I was no! Like, oh, wait a minute. No. You do I, have some amazing locks. You have amazing today. locks, but I was not going to put the drag queen on you. I was just going to put the idea of like, <laughs> you understand what I mean. I'll play, I'll play, I'll play. <laughs> uh, I, I do want to ask real quick, though, before we sort of like ask the penultimate question, is Rotten Tomatoes right or wrong is was which is your favorite entry in this if you're such a big Ethan Hunt fan like which is your favorite listen I'm I'm a Fallout fan okay My, you, you got yep. Angela Bassett you got you, I feel like the action scenes in that like the the Henry Cavill you know the the bathroom brawl like nothing tops that pumping the guns yeah exactly <laughs> the, I, I, you know I got no guns to pump but I I, I can't even physically do that move yeah. that Henry Cavill like I've tried to do it and it just looks like I like noodle I look like an octopus <laughs> like I can't do what Henry Cavill does in that movie and Fallout is the number one rated Mission Impossible movie according to the tomato meter mm. 97% 
certified fresh, still a ghost protocol guy. Ghost Am protocol? I? Yeah. I, that's, I was just about to, is that Paula Patton? That's that Paula, is Paula Patton. Patton. Yeah, that's and Paula Patton. the tallest Patton. building in the world. I'm sorry, but. Okay, I'm going to be so weird about this. <laughs> Call me a traditionalist. I live for the episodic feel of the first film. Yeah. I really do love the first one. Also, it has um, Renee. Uh, Jean Rene from the Jean Reno, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, from uh, professional. And, uh, and what do you mean? William H. Bonnie, Billy the Kid himself, Emilio oh, yes, Estevez. Emilio Estevez, yeah. yes, yes. No, Meets his end too early in the movie for my uh, taste. But... Asta lasagna, don't get any on you, as he says. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I can't believe I put that on there. I, I did. I did that, ladies and gentlemen. I did that for you. But let's let's uh, go ahead and get it down to brass has crits, sir. I'm thinking I know where you are on this, but. Rotten Tomatoes wrong on this one, I'm mm -hmm. guessing. Like, or how far did you feel they are wrong? I feel like okay, so I know you said you love Mission the first Mission Impossible. I think that's better than the first Mission Impossible. The the first one, you know, it's iconic. It's the original. You got the, you know, you got the wire hang, you got the uh, you know, you you have the introduction of of these characters, but I feel like the acting was so much better. Like the writing on the first one's bad, like Kitteridge mm. in the first one. You know the 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 IMF you know yeah. director. He's terrible. You watch <laughs> it. He cannot act. Like it's it's just so corny. Oh, and I'm like, no. I shaded Kittridge. I'm sorry, but I'm just like, what is this, honey? Like I I couldn't I couldn't do him. And I feel like, you know, you got a much better villain out of out of um, Sean Ambrose. I feel like he's, he, and you got, I don't know. They they just um, okay. So it's giving scandal a little bit. You know, with with <laughs> Olivia Pope running between two white men, you know, like th that's what it's kind of giving with Tandy, with Naya. But I think her chemistry is great with Tom Cruise, and I feel like, because you know, I know the, I know the stories about um, about the virus and all that, but really it's about you know, to, to it's go about how madly right. in love exactly. Tom Cruise and Tandy Newton fall overnight. About screwing once, and yeah. now like they're just. Even before they hook up, just them racing cars, they're like, you're the one for, you're the only one for me. Just spinning around looking at yeah. each other, it's like. I mean, is... I, I, I feel like 56%, as much as like I have strong like inclinations towards this movie, and like, it, it, I guess it maybe it conjures like good memories of, of my past, because I was like, you know, I was 20 when this movie came out. I still feel like 56% is pretty much right where this movie should be. <laughs> wow. I love John Woo, and obviously I love the Mission Impossible movies and Tom Cruise. I could I, I could be happy with it getting into fresh territory, mm -hmm. but some part of me, much like the scar on Tom Cruise's face at the end of this movie due to a <laughs> knife fight, I like Mission Impossible 2 being the scar on this franchise. It helps <laughs> it stand out in a way. So I'm kind of perfectly fine with 56%. The audience, I will take umbrage with. 42%. Come on, audience. Get your act together. That's got to get higher. Wow. Okay. So for the style, camp, and just sheer awesomeness of this movie, I'd put it certified fresh. Okay. Because this movie, I I was literally like watching like YouTube videos getting ready for this. Because like, I don't need to watch this again. And I found myself like pulling up the movie and I watched <laughs> the whole thing actually through. Because I've seen this movie a couple times. I don't think I need a revamp on the, on the plot or anything. And then I'm watching and I'm realizing I don't even want to know this plot. This plot is ridiculous. The virus, <laughs> the virus. Like again, it's just, it feels. I have more thoughts on this plot. Once we get into movie <laughs> no, talk. No, we get into movie talk. 
have yeah. some I, I have some reasoning behind why I, I appreciate this movie. But basically what I was going to say is the plot is a 46%. The style is an 80 <laughs> So like if you kind of average it out, that's kind of the where I feel on this. There's so many bad plot moments in this. I cannot make this movie a fresh movie. But man, it's pretty. It's, it's so drama. pretty. Yeah. I love the drama. Yeah. Anyway, Gorgeous. let's have Tim remind us what critics were saying about this film back at the time. Two minutes with Tim. Brian De Palma's eccentric take on the classic TV show was certainly not bereft of great action scenes. Tom Cruise infiltrating that computer room remains iconic. But even if it wasn't wholly successful, Mission Impossible 2 is where the series as we know it begins. Less intrigue and loads more action. To quote Roger Ebert, the first Mission Impossible had a plot that no one understood. Mission Impossible 2 has a plot you don't need to understand. By and large, critics were impressed with the cast, but felt the incredible stunts only did so much to distract from a general lack of depth and character development. Mission Impossible 2 is rotten at 56% on the tomato meter with 155 reviews, and it has a 42% audience score. And just for comparison, the best-reviewed installment of the series, Mission Impossible Fallout from 2018, is certified fresh at 97%. So what did the critics have to say? In a rotten review, David Anson of Newsweek called it a slick, expensive, bullet-ridden thriller that is oddly dull, the last thing you'd expect. However, in a fresh review, Mick LaSalle of the San Francisco Chronicle wrote, It's fun. It's laughable. It has moments of excitement, moments of sheer idiocy, and moments of sheer idiotic excitement. The Rotten Tomatoes critics' consensus reads, Your cranium may crave more substance, but your eyes will feast on the amazing action sequences. So that's Mission Impossible 2. Let's kick it back to Jacqueline and Mark, two people who spend their weekends driving motorcycles off cliffs. I mean, I wish that's what I spend my weekend doing. Most of the time it's watching movies, which is why it's good that we're going to talk about one. A little segment we call Movie Talk. Brian That was good. I mean, really, like, you're probably the most active person I know and you get on a plane and like talk to people at bars. Yeah, well, yeah, but I don't ride motorcycles. I don't do any of that. You'll never find me on a motorcycle. But at least you're moving. Everyone, I'm moving. You know, I'm everyone shaking. else I know is just kind of like, yeah, we're here. I'm around. We're in a theater, maybe at home. We may call each other to each other's houses, so guess what? We yeah. can watch more movies together. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and, and, and this one I actually did watch on a plane. Oh, you did watch I watched Mission Impossible 2 on a plane, and I was so pissed because one of the things that I loved about this movie was the Metallica song, I Disappear, that they wrote for the movie, and it's the tag on the credits. And they didn't mm. do it? And because it's like, it's, it's a plane movie, and so they speed by it. And it's just the Mission Impossible theme with the credits run up super high. And I'm like, I was ready. Uh, I was ready yeah, to hear yeah. Lars and the oh. boys. And so no Metallica. But other than that, it was a, it was fun to rewatch and catch up on this. A franchise that I have gotten to know since day one because I worked in a movie theater. Wow. That was the first summer I worked at Carmike Cinemas in Williamsburg, Virginia, was when Mission Impossible had come out. I think it was either that April or May. It might have been March. But I, so I could, like, on break, just pop in. And like sneak in, like watch like 10, 15 minutes of a movie. Yeah. And usually it was Mission Impossible. I think it was a May. I yeah. tried to time it with the Langley scene where he's breaking in on the wire. Because yeah. that's just oh, yeah. so much right. fun. And uh, and then, yeah, then this one coming out, I was like, oh, yeah, sign me up. Cruz has longer hair. He's climbing rocks. He's getting in knife fights. I'm in. Uh, I don't know if I had that with it. Um, first, I do have to go ahead and say just overall with the series, this one is definitely one that fans sort of like rail against it doesn't sound like you rail against it but what do you think is the part that fans are the most like either happy or upset about from this one <laughs> like what is the thing that they're either because the hair happy mm -hmm. i think we can all oh, yeah. agree 
But like, I don't know what they were. I don't know what their biggest issue of it was. Is even I was reading the reviews. There weren't these like, as Tim was saying, there weren't like pitchforks for it. Mm. Yeah. What's the gripe? I don't know. Going going back to the Shonda Rhimes effect before mm-hmm. the Shonda Rhimes effect had happened. <laughs> I wonder if that was a reason because you know we didn't really have like Tom Cruise was like the it guy, mm. and I don't think he's had any other black love interest in his movies. So I'm wondering, you know, could it be one of those situations? Mm. You know, you know, you know, the majority of the fans are these toxic ass. <laughs> I mean, not back then. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, there was definitely a thing, but it wasn't like a black love interest like that. I don't think was as revolutionary. I don't know, Mark. I don't think so. It didn't feel like a jungle fever revolution no. to me. Um, but but it's also because like this is part of the mission. I think we all like kind of sign up for that where it's like, look, if, if I'm working with somebody on a mission because Anthony Hopkins told me to and then I happen to end up having feelings for them, that's icing on the cake. Yeah. But like I still have to work with you. Mm-hmm. And the scene where she is trying to break in and steal something towards the beginning of the movie when when our, our now star-crossed lovers meet. Yeah. I think that is such a sexy scene. Yeah. When, when, when they have to hide in the bathtub and they're like on top of each other, it's like, oh my, man, you feel the chemistry because it's not just Tom Cruise's hair. Yeah. It's also right. Tandy Newton's hair. <laughs> and John Woo knew he had two devastatingly amazing locks of hair. Great Great lettuce on these two heads. Uh, this is what's so crazy. Asking John Woo, because like we do, I think, need to talk about when we talk about why this movie is rotten is talk about him because he came, he comes off a of face off, which is just so camp. Like mm. everything that like Nicholas Cage's character is doing on both sides of that, whether it's being inside John Travolta or when he's with Nick, like both of them, they are just like chewing mm. the scenery <laughs> camp with yeah. all of the things. How do you say, let's go make that dude make the freaking bureaucratic CIA show? Like, it seems like very strange that he would even be the person to do this, don't you think? I feel like the tone was so different than what De Palma did with the first one. But, mm-hmm. Crit, I mean, I'm, I'm curious with you because John Woo, I kind of first got to know from Hard Target, the yeah, Van yeah. Damme movie. And, like, that movie loves its slow motion shots. Face Off does, too. I feel like the slow-mo, get, this movie would be 60 Minutes if we just ran it in normal time. Yeah, yeah. But there's so much <laughs> slow motion. Does that take, I, because I feel like that's what some critics were saying, this movie's dull, because it does, you're in a scene and it takes so long because we're like walking through quicksand molasses yeah, because yeah. we have to show these amazing moves and all this stuff. Does the slow motion get to you? It didn't get to me. Like I, and, I, and I think there was so much action in it for me to, to balance that out. Like that mm-hmm. I didn't even, that I didn't even clock that as being something that people would be upset by. Like, and the fact that Tom Cruise is out here doing capoeira, he's giving, uh, yeah. yeah, he's he's yeah. doing a lot, like a lot of, like I feel like as far as fighting goes, he he was kind of at his most tactical in this, like he, he's doing acrobatics and stuff. Uh, he's giving Liu Kang, like he, he's doing all these fancy kicks and stuff. I don't know. I, and then when he kicks the gun up and everything like that, like I was just like, come on now, you ca- how are you going to get mad at that? Action scenes for him, though? Or what are your favorite action scenes for him where he really sort of, like, takes the action to the next level in this one? Because I would say that's the thing that everyone at least loved about yeah, this Yeah, yeah, Well, the motorbikes, yeah. uh, absolutely. The motorbike, uh, you know, the the dueling, I think that that was, uh, yeah, that was the jam. And then, and then again, the, the, the end fight with Ambrose. Uh-huh. I, I feel like he 
he was killing it. Like, I feel like that's that's where you see him as at his most physical in a fight across the series. Yeah, it, the, the fighting style he employs at MI2, it's a young man's game. Yeah. And yeah. Ethan Hunt is older now. He doesn't do that crap. I mean, he's still <laughs> no. jumping off he cliffs and He lifted to Henry Campbell in the last one. <laughs> like, let me just live. I mean, he does, I will say, he actually does a lot in this last one. I mean, not to like let too much he away. He does, yeah. but like the way he's contorting his body in the right. fight scenes and in the rock yeah, climbing fair. scene mm-hmm. in the opening. He's breakdancing. Like. But, but to your point, just sort of like comparing and Contrasting, like thinking about last night, I would say last night that let, there's some scene, and I know which scene you know what I'm thinking of, where it's like this, and mm-hmm. like that scene, I would say is the most physical he has done in a long time in one of these movies, and that's like it's a scene with him in Palm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and, would say he's done a lot more recent. Maybe that's the throwback because I feel like the further we get along, now we start having reverential moments to things, and like when you think about this one, it's not just that. There's also like. There's a lightness to this one. There's sure. a comedy to this one that I think they're also like coming back to. Because this, again, it's funny. Yeah, and, and you can look at the plot of this movie mm-hmm. and you can also extrapolate it to where we actually started the Mission Impossible as we know now. Because yeah. what was Patient Zero? What, was it the first Mission Impossible movie? Or was it the rock climbing scene yeah, yeah, yeah. in yeah. Mission Impossible 2? Because that's where it's like, oh, Tom Cruise is going to go no- and do something crazy that no lead actor should ever attempt yeah. in every one of these movies. And I still get nervous for him when I'm watching the rock climbing scene because it just looks scary. He's free solo he's yeah. doing, doing this stuff. Yeah. So I was looking it up. He apparently did not have a safety net. There's nothing like on the ground to catch him. He had a harness and a thin wire and he had two stunt guys. And it's so funny to watch the stunt guys interview because they have the same exact haircut and they're like, <laughs> they're ready to do it. And Tom was pretty much like, guys, I got this. And they're like, uh, what? And John, poor John Wu is setting the cameras up and he's like, oh, did Tom is going to do this? And he's so nervous. Yeah. It's just so funny to watch like how they were able to pull that off. And like, I am not a heights guy. All mm-hmm. right. I'm scared of snakes and I'm scared of heights. I do not want to be high on uh, like like up on stuff, you yeah. know, and like look over. So the fact that he's willing to commit to this movie, I think that's one of the big selling points. And it was in the promotional stuff for Mission Impossible 2 as well. Is like, look at what this guy's doing. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. It's also one of those first ones where like they're doing things for the behind the scenes DVD. Like they want to break mm. down everything that <laughs> yeah. they did. It's it's part of the selling. This was back when DVD sales were like huge. And so mm-hmm. having those sort of special features where they broke down exactly how Tom the commentary did yeah, yeah. all of these stunts <laughs> is like worth it, I think, also at the time. Was this y'all's first Mission Impossible movie in a theater? That you saw? No, no I, saw I didn't the, see I, this one in the theater. I mean, I'm old, so I, I saw the original. <laughs> you and I saw the original yeah, yeah. in the theater. Yeah. Definitely not. I definitely saw both of these on HBO. I think Mission Impossible 3 uh, was... Which was, we should give flowers to as well for sort of like 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 kind of reinvigorating the franchise as well. Mm. After, after this one. I after think. this one. I yeah. think this was back when they still thought they were going to turn Ethan Hunt into James Bond. Mm. I think what you really need to appreciate or what we can appreciate now looking back on these early entries is like after Macquarie comes on there, uh, Chris Macquarie comes on there and sort of like changes the style. 
this last from whatever that is, Rogue or Ghost Protocol forward, yeah. it's the style of the first one mm-hmm. modernized. Whereas in before, they were basically having everyone come in and do their own sort of guitar riff. This is the John Woo guitar riff. This right. is the J.J. Abrams guitar riff. And I think they still realize, they're like, as long as we're still doing riffs, this is never going to be a consistent product. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, when you look at it now, that's why these later entries, like, look at it. I think you could look at Ghost Protocol and Dead Reckoning and be like, I know exactly this. they live in the same world. This movie lives on a different planet. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, and, and it's almost like, hey, you can you can pick whoever your team is. And so we get Luther played by Ving Rhames, yeah. who mm-hmm. we love in every Mission Impossible movie. And then we also get the Australian helicopter pilot, who's a lot of fun in the movie as well. I, I disagree. I, he gets on my nerves. You I, didn't I, like him? No. I mean, I, I lived in Australia for two years. I, maybe it's triggering, but... I, <laughs> He like they overdo it. Hey mate, mate, mate. Like every other word is mate. I'm just like I it's can't a little do it. crocodile Dundee. It, it was a little crocodile like, Dundee. But, but it was also, still funny. It was still good comic relief. This is the part of it that made me. I don't know. It made you laugh. Maybe you didn't. Well, I, I mean, Ving Rhames. I'm a big Ving Rhames fan, but I, I feel like I don't know. Just the cast in general. They 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 would. I feel like they're trying to make it as international as possible. Like you had the South African guy as well. Mm-hmm. He's not even South African. He's Australian and he's putting on a South African accent. <laughs> so they're trying to diversify it in these in these interesting, well, maybe not so interesting ways. And and yeah, they were really pushing that that Australian accent. So See, this is where I will go back to like, this is where I know movie making at that time. Really what it was at that time is the John Woo of it. Mm. It was the fact that John Woo was this international director and they knew people were going to be coming to him looking for a certain type of movie. And I think they were worried about that audience not feeling like this was a John Woo movie. Because like, I do think it was like, look, they get to Palm on the first one, John Woo on the second. They're trying to find these iconic action sort of directors. And it's like, I wonder if it ends up being something that people like later on. Is there anybody else besides Macquarie? Because he did uh, the one that you really liked that you sort of look back on the directors. Did you like the J.J. Abrams iteration? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Is yeah. that the favorite one? Um, wait, which one did J.J. Abrams do? He did three. That's Mission Three. three yeah. Where yeah. I, I still consider that. I think Christopher McQuarrie took the ball from J.J. pretty well and ran yeah. with it, whereas the first two movies feel like their own thing. Mm. I feel like you could trace the lineage of what we get with Dead Reckoning yes. back to MI3. Back to three. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree with that. I've, three, four, and five, I kind of like all mushed into one for me in a, in a sense. Three, four, five, and six. Like, yeah. I mean, six definitely be on the top, but as far as like rating, like how I rate them and... They they all kind of as you said have have the same sort of feeling or you can yeah it's kind of funny like, like I could put on a Mission Impossible one two and I and I instantly know which movie I'm exactly watching. Yeah. yeah from three on I'm like it, it goes protocol bit... helps because he's got longer hair he's yeah, got, yeah he's got the hair back you guys if, if, by this point of the show we realize I love these movies because of Tom Cruise yeah hair. this is really like it, as a guy grew up and my hair is just it, my hair is unapologetically curly and you're watching how this straight hair is blowing in the wind and I'm like it's never gonna look like that on my head it's <laughs> never gonna happen for me. I, Go ahead. No, I was going to say, my only grope with four is that Ving Rhames isn't in it. Like, he's like just, uh, you know, a little cameo at yeah. the end. He's just barely, yeah. Right. And Paula Pat, I'm sorry, Paula Pat, you're beautiful, but like, it's like, it's giving great gowns, beautiful gowns. Like, really? She, yes. Well, she's so not do you giving think- me anything. She never gives me anything. <laughs> not to pit two black women against each other, but of the two, do you I'll feel like- away. But And her chemistry with him was more Absolutely. believable for it. Well, here's the thing, though. Paula Pat's character isn't really a love interest for- Tom Cruise. True. So yeah. it's so it's not the same thing as as mm-hmm. two. That's why, you know, again, going back to I just couldn't understand why this film has the bad rating it does. That that's why I was kind of 
you know, alluding to that. But um, I think Paula Pan's character is very different as far as, you know, she's part of the ensemble. He's still got Ilsa and his wife kind of, you know, mm -hmm. he's got that uh, dynamic going on. So she's, and yeah, they have a little patch, a little kiss, but that, that's more, that's not really part of the romance of it all. I feel like this movie gets a bad rap and a lot of the critics, like what Tim was saying, because the it's kind of like a dull, like like easy story to tell. And I'm like, I kind of needed that after the first one. <laughs> I still have no right. idea what is actually happening oh, in the first on. mission. I know there's a knock list. Of, a we don't want our agents to get out in the <laughs> open. But there's so much other crap going on between John Boyd and Henry Zerner, who I think is great as Kittredge. So I'll I do. That. I'll I was just deal. about to say, I was like, thank you for bringing that yeah. back. We need to defend. He may be acting a little 1960s TV show in but it, but that's, that's the, sort of the fun. That's the, the whole point yeah. of it. They're all doing that. And honestly, that scene where he was just like, we've taught him how to do it. That is a great, like, just give me the exposition of why we can't catch this man. That's how you build the legend. That is part of <laughs> That's it. That's how you make him like a Jason Bourne. Yes. But it was all yeah. exposition, though. That's what I think. Like, the I, writing was just like, I, I agree. I it can't. was too much. And so then you get this movie where it's simple. It's like, hey, there's a virus. We got to stop it in time. There's a virus. Super we got to stop it. Super easy story to tell. Yeah. It, absolutely. And an underrated scene in this movie is because like like the, the end scene is great with mm -hmm. like the knife fights and, and, and the motorcycles chasing each other and the beginning obviously with the rock climbing. I love the scene where he's breaking into the lab. Yeah. That, that, that kind of yeah, reminded yeah. me of like the Langley vibes from the first yeah, one. Yeah. And then we get this really cool shootout and this like, oh, well, I can't shoot her because she literally is the only thing left for this like, like virus slash right. cure. So I thought that was like, I forgot about that. And that is maybe what I could use to push this movie into fresh territory. The music of this one is also something that I think also kicked into high gear because the very first yeah. one did the Mission Impossible like remix. Mm -hmm. And was this the one? Limp Biscuit, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. with Limp Biscuit. And bow, so like bow, just... Bow, bow, bow. It dates it, but it also really, I think, adds more to the movie. And I think this one actually had better music. Is there any part of it that you like? Because there's a lot of needle drops in this one. Um, no, I like the music. Yeah, I, I, I feel like, you know, Limp Bizkit's whatever, but I feel like it worked for for this film. Like, sure. I, yeah, I enjoyed it. But going, you, go oh, ahead. So, no, going back to, to the scene you're talking about, that going back to the drama of it all, yo, when, when Tandy Way gives herself the yeah. shot, like, it's like drama the whole way. And then even when she's like at the end where it's like, is she gonna? Is she gonna get the antidote? And so she's like contemplating jumping off the cliff. Like more drama. Like I feel like that was like going back to you know just nice. Not, I, I like the way that they filmed those. I didn't realize how much I cared about them as a couple. Right until that that's point the story. in the film. Yeah, that's the whole that's story. Yeah, like because you know again, if I'm on a mission, you Jacqueline Jacqueline knows this about me. When I go out to like a party or something, I'm Irish goodbying every time. I, I'll do <laughs> a lap. I'll have a beer. I'm there 15 minutes and I'm out. I never say goodbye. I'm just out. I put in some FaceTime. I'm out. So I'm very non-committal. Yeah. So I'm always like coming at this from like Ethan Hunt. He's a secret agent. He can't have loyalty to anybody. Don't fall in love. Mm -hmm. Don't make friends. Don't do any of that crap. You know, just just live for yourself in the mission. But I see them together. I'm like, God damn, I really. Want them to work I know. out, but and, I, I, and they do. I, um, I'm until not until the beginning a, of the next movie. Until the beginning, <laughs> again. What this happened? is where he's like James Bond. Maybe this is di me differently, but I just always think of Ethan Hunt, James Bond. That's why actually I got mad when they started actually like carrying over the women. Mm. I just assumed that something happened between all of the trauma <laughs> that you're trying to suppress from all of these missions that made y'all break up in between movies. Like when they carried over his wife, I'm like, no, this is the episode is over. The girls disappear. Like the girlfriends on Seinfeld. Like they don't 
come back. I don't know. Have That's I me. been drinking, or is the end of Fallout where like because he he's always kind of keeping tabs on right, Michelle Monaghan, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And and the end of I think she she met a dude, right? Yeah, Julia's right. what a new man. Yeah, yep. right. So she's got a new dude, mm-hmm. and so now he's like, okay, I got I got to let this one go. Yeah, right. Because I was thinking like like as we started the dead reckoning, I'm like, wait, wait, is is she still in the picture? Are we still keeping an eye on her, or what's going on? Because I mean, again, by this point, we've done so many secret missions. Yeah. Um, people know how to hurt you, Ethan. Yeah. So you really can't have any loyalty. <laughs> I want to know what happened to Tandy Newton's character. Also, let's be, let's talk about the, like, I would say infinite riz of Ethan Hunt. The fact that he is just pulling in every one of these movies. Sometimes he's got like three girls where he's got like something going right. on with romance, sort of like this some one. Some chemistry, some pheromones. Yeah, yeah. Is, is Tandy the top level notch of all of the Mission Impossible women? Because um, I think there may be a dark mm, horse that we, we've re- met recently. I, I'm putting Tandy right there at the top. Yeah. Tandy, wait, as far as chemistry goes, I feel like she they have the best on-screen really? chemistry. But, um, but you know, I feel like his you know his soulmate or whatever is <laughs> Ilsa. Like, that's his girl, that's right? That's what I was yeah, going to yeah, say. Because yeah. I think it's actually Rebecca Ferguson. I think she's now, like, top girl. I, I, him and Tandy doing that chemistry, man. Really? I know it only lasted one movie. It's like a great season in sports. Like, we didn't keep the team back. <laughs> this isn't the run of the Bulls in the 90s, all right? This is a one-off, but man, it's like if the Detroit Lions won a Super Bowl. You know, yeah. it's like, I don't know how it happened, but what a ride. Yeah. I did want to talk to you about, like, just this movie go was Lions. at the time. Go Lions. <laughs> I just, I think they actually have a shot this year. I sorry, mean, Lions fans. Uh, I believe sorry, the only Packers fans. That, no, but. we finally got that dude out of here and you're going to bring this up. What is wrong with you? Like, I'm sorry, you're going to enrage me just by saying that. I'm just that. saying I don't Jordan love your chances oh, this year. Oh, my Lord. What team do you support? The Washington. I Commander. mean, come on, glass houses, man. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Well, like, country, and so now we'll bring things. now we'll bring you back from this American football uh, detour. <laughs> Happens every show. <laughs> it does happen. Surprise! We we held it at bay this long. I mean, we really did hold it at bay. But at this time, this movie was bigger than this. This is back when they were first doing like the like um, Ray Ban like movie tie in like mm-hmm. this. Like obviously, I know there's been sort of like product and industry placement, but this was like the height of it, the summer movie box office. And again, the thing that cannot be missed is the Ben Stiller Mission Impossible moment at the MTV Movie Awards where he's like doing a stunt double and he's doing the Tom Cruise laugh. And it was just like, (laughs) how did we not know how unhinged all of this is? (laughs) Like just seeing that parody happen in real time. Like it's, I don't know. It's so nice. Yeah, when Tom Cruise is climbing the rock and he does that sort of like Jesus move where he's got to like, you know, swing his other arm across. And so now he's just like hanging and... Ben Stiller looks so much like Tom Cruise, mm. and he was in really good shape yep, then. Yep, like, like he yep. was a gym rat, so you just put that wig on him, and it actually looks like Tom Cruise. It's such a great spoof, and I feel like, Crit, this is the easiest of the Mission Impossible movies to just straight up lampoon yep. if you want to. Yeah, the, yeah. The, it, it puts itself out there. It takes chances with the way it was shot, and I think as a result, it's very easy to lampoon. Yeah, I agree, and and I think going back to that period, like MTV was. I feel like that's that was like the pinnacle of the MTV Movie Awards, at least, and and I feel like it was the it was the perfect moment to capitalize off because they they lampooned so much. Oh, excuse me, they they made fun of a lot of stuff during that time. Yeah, I think they could. Yeah. Was that the last great era of MTV as far as like uh, music Close. and then movies kind of like crossing over? Like the the MTV like died when Kanye there? took that Moon Man from Taylor. Like that was the end of it. Like that was the like line of demarcation. Seriously. I can't wait for the 10-part documentary. 
where Jacqueline's a talking head all over the history of MTV. And like, that was the day the music died. I mean, in my opinion, I, I honestly do. I do feel that. Also, watching this over again, the one thing I will say, when the doves come up, it's not cheesy to me. It still looks cool. Do the oh, do- like, yeah, like when you see all birds. these like, or the like, smoke mist mm-hmm. like that he always manages yeah, to make yeah. like every single grate has like smoky stuff like all of that stuff I would think would make me laugh now and think of it as parody still looks cool I'm just like that yeah that's badass I think kids nowadays would think that was cheesy but I don't know would you think Gen Z would be down with John Woo I don't know I don't know I don't know how you can get mad at when he blows up that door and it's like the frame of fire and he like walks past like all moody looking and stuff it was giving the crow I don't know I don't know if <laughs> yes! the, like the crow either but I I'll tell you what vibes that was. That was Michael Myers vibe. (laughs) That was, I cannot get rid of this guy. I mean, yeah, I'm a bad guy. But but this guy Uh, will not effing die. I will say one of the reasons why I can't get this movie too high on the tomato meter is I love a good Mission Impossible movie and I love their mask technology. (laughs) I give you one mask every hour. For every hour of runtime, I'll give you one mask. This movie does a mask like every 10 minutes. No, you're right. Every 10 minutes we're flipping off mask is and, and it's just it, it's a little too much masking for me. Interestingly enough, I think that's where this franchise goes. It's sort of like once you rely on something, now you got to break it. Well, you got to make gotta it. Have you know a what mask I mean? Seen in every Mission Impossible movie, but this one—I mean, everybody's putting voice. them on, throwing them off. Because the first ones, they didn't have the voice. Remember that? Because like in the it's very so cr- first movie, and like now they can like tape something on yeah. your voice box to make you sound like the person. I mean, it's getting. That's, it's that's, getting crazy. No, that's one of my favorite lines of Fallout too. Is when Angela Bassett is like. The the IMF is Halloween. It's a yeah. bunch of grown men wearing masks <laughs> trick-or-treating. I was like, yo, she's so right. And I feel like they're, they're relying on it less. The same way like the, the wire drop in the first one, they, they stopped doing that at some point, right? Yeah. Like they, they stopped doing this. So I was like, hey, you know what? They're, they're outgrowing this thing. So I don't know, maybe, maybe a little less mask. Before we sort of talk about Dead Reckoning, which is coming, I, de- I do think we have to look at the franchise as an overview as far as the stunts. And we've already sort of talked about the one with this one, but like top stunt overall, like of everything that they've done, Ooh. if you want to say it's the most memorable, the most crazy. Mm-hmm. Do you want a minute? Yeah, know? I need a minute. You want to I'm ready to jump in this right now. Again, Freight of Heights. Um, I feel like the, 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 the free solo climb mm. is... Just an incredible thing to witness. But when you have the ability to say, I climbed the tallest building in the world, and the way that that scene plays out in Ghost Protocol, mm. where he's got like the sticky things that he's climbing up, yeah, yeah. it's just so cool. Because I feel like that would be a really hard thing for me to pull off. I know it sounds scary. Anybody mm. can get strapped to the side of an airplane. And it, maybe not at will, but anybody can do it, and and you can survive if you fly like at the right altitude and all that stuff. You can strap me inside of an airplane right now. I'd have no worries about it. Really? Yeah. I, which is weird because you're also like going into heights there, but climbing heights is different than just like being on an airplane. I feel like I could nail the airplane scene. You're just hanging. <laughs> all you're doing is hanging. I can do that. Wow. What about you? Okay. I had some time to think about it. And I think, again, because I, I get impressed by physicality of things. Like, there's the fear mm-hmm. factor, but then there's also the physicality. And I think it's the, I want to say it's in Ghost Protocol, where he's tied up and Ilsa kind of comes in to save him. Yeah. But when he's, when he's got his hands tied behind his back on that pole, and he literally, like, Jimmy's, like, he flips himself upside, oh, flips himself yeah, upside yeah. down and, like, gets off the pole that way. Like, that to me, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's not as scary as... as or epic as the other ones, but for me, I'm just like, damn, he did that himself, and he, <laughs> like, he's just a, a physical specimen to be, you know, just. He really is, and, and I'll say, it, 
you know, present company excluded. When I say present company, I'm talking about Dead Reckoning. <laughs> I'm, I'm still reckoning with with watching the stunt play on that movie because it is yeah. spectacular. Yeah, that again, as I as I will say this, I'm not going to say what happened because you know some of y'all haven't seen it yet, but. In the middle of the theater last night, after in the middle of oh, one of the stunts, so good. I'm, I'm watching right it, next to her. and he does something, and I'm just like, he's gonna die. And it was like, a, it was like, it was purposeful, but it was also like involuntary. Like <laughs> it was like literally, that's I'm like, this man is gonna die. He's gonna die doing this, and we should all be ashamed for making him feel that he has to do this by giving him billions of dollars at the box office. Like at a certain point, I think I am valuing his life more than he is valuing his life, and I'm just like, I don't know if I can support this. He's gonna die. Well, here's the interesting thing about where Mission Impossible could be going is because I like when I heard that Dead Reckoning was going to be like part one and part two, I'm like, oh, that they're going to close the whole thing up with that. But then I heard like Christopher McQuarrie talking about he has ideas for Mission Impossible 9. And I'm yeah. like, my God, uh, hold hold on. Is it still going to be Tommy? Is it still going to the guy is literally Tom Brady, just like will not retire. And he still <laughs> ends up being great. I think every major news organization should have a pre-written Tom Cruise has killed himself on set <laughs> story written just for like. Odds. Just good odds says that you'll use it eventually. I don't know when, I don't know where, and I wish Tom Cruise no ill will, but sir, you don't value your life. I just don't think I'm that you I'm not saying do. it's not brave what you did, strap yourself to the side of an airplane. I'm just I saying just, I could do it too. I'm, I am not. I am Put saying me on that, that plane. neither of you should do it. Uh, <laughs> I will just say for my favorite stunt, it's actually proof of what I'm saying about him killing himself. The stunt where he was, it's not a crazy stunt, but he jumps over two buildings. Oh, and this in a was fallout. The, and this oh, is the yeah. one where he broke his foot. The reason good. why I, I look at that one is because this man is a madman. Not only does he want to jump on it, but he's so obsessed with the shot, he doesn't show that he got injured. He like walks it off. Yeah. And yeah. like, that's the shot they use. In real life. In mm. real life. He broke and shattered his foot. He doesn't cry. He doesn't scream. He like holds it Cracked in. Cracked a bunch of ribs. Just keeps going because the shot is more important. You do not value your life, sir. <laughs> you think the shot is more important than just like doubling over in pain. I would double but over But I love in pain. that shot in Fallout because like, because like at least people like in our space knew mm. that like, and it was pretty big news when yeah, it happened. Yeah. Tom Cruise was like seriously injured doing a stunt. So we know we're bracing for that to happen. Yeah. And then we and then we're like at the scene, he's running on ribs, like, oh, is this gonna be it? <laughs> and then you feel it. You feel the the air come out of your own lungs when you watch him slam into that yeah. wall. But I think it's awesome the fact that he had enough self-awareness to leave that shot in there yeah. and not just make it this glossy Ethan Hunt is perfect. He never gets injured. Like I love that he left it in. He's like, hey, I fail sometimes too. Check this out. It works for the movie. Yeah. <sighs> it again, a testament. Also, there is a scene like that in The Lord of the Rings where Aragon kicks a helmet where Viggo Mortensen yeah. but he screams he uses it and makes it into anguish but he was the bitch we all want to be he was like ah like I would not just hold that in that was ridiculous not me man if I do a stunt that goes wrong I'm, yeah. I'm yelling cut we're not yeah, using that yeah. burn the film immediately yeah. Are you excited for Dead Reckoning? Or are you going to get this opening weekend? Because it's like, it's weird. I feel like everyone has given up about $200 to the box office this summer. Choices will have to be made. <laughs> Listen, I'm I'm all in. Listen, I, I as I said, the last one was my favorite one out of all of them, Fallout. Like, I feel like you can only go up, especially with the success of, like, Top Gun, Maverick. Mm. Like, it's like, come on, what's next? And I, and I know he's going to deliver, so... I sound like a really huge... I, I, I sound like a Tom Cruise stand, which I'm not. I, I just really like... This franchise. I mean, as long as he's making these movies, I will just, 
I will let him make these movies yeah, mm-hmm. and I will watch them. And yeah. that's as much as I will say on the record. <laughs> it's hard but to not be, that's though. That's all I will right. say. Because the movies are so <laughs> good. So fun. And like, yeah. and like Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick, it's yeah. like, I, w- would I like those movies if another actor was playing Maverick? Hell yeah, I would. Yeah. It's, it's Top Gun, it's Mission Impossible, but he does lend something special to it. Yeah. And I think part of that, is, he is a great actor. And I think part of it is just because he's doing all this stuff. He's yeah. actually yeah. flying planes. He's actually climbing buildings. And, and I think that does add to the experience. It adds to his, and he is a bona fide movie star. We're going to get out of here, but I just yeah. want to add this. Last year, he was nominated for Top Gun. He showed up at the Oscars lunch, and this is a heavy room. This is famous mm. people who don't talk to famous people, mm-hmm. famous people. You know what I mean? He was the most, everybody. I mean, everybody. He is a bona fide movie star. The fact that he happens to be insane about jumping out of planes <laughs> is like the least interesting thing about him. But that wraps it up for us here on Movie Talk. I feel like that music is great for like Tom Cruise attempting stunts too. It's like, look at this guy. He's up, he's up doing this crazy stuff. I call perfect it, company music. I call it the laughing music because that's what it reminds me of. It suck it to me. Very anyway, why don't you, sir, Mr. Kritzer, sock us to your socials. Where can folks find you and what are you working on? Oh, yeah. Uh, you can find me at uh, what would crit do, K-R-I-T. Uh, you know, <laughs> little shout out to Jesus. Uh and yeah, what am I working on right now? What's coming up? Um, yo, listen, I'm exhausted. I, I just came off AAPI Heritage Month and then Pride Month. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm not working on nothing if I can help it. Um, <laughs> nap yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. It's nap time. So keep an eye out. Uh, I am working on a video game, but this, this you know, uh, still a couple of years out in the making. Ooh, so yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I'll keep you updated. And we can probably catch you in a theater this weekend watching. Exactly. Right? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Anything else you want to recommend, though, that you're maybe either watching or want other folks to watch hmm. TV or movie um I'm just gonna give a shout out to all the Pacifica filmmakers out there I'm, I'm a Pacific Islander and I'm always gonna give a shout out and give love to um to the filmmakers out there so if you want you can check out uh Vi on Amazon uh V-A-I and uh and it, it really showcases uh my people in a, in a really beautiful way so. nice very nice. cool Vi on Amazon I will check that out alright well that does it for us here on this episode of Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong if you have a film that you feel just as passionately about as Mission Impossible 2 please email us at rottentomatoesiswrong at rottentomatoes.com and wherever you're listening to this make sure you review rate and subscribe Mr. Mark Ellis what are we talking next week next week is I think it's in two weeks and I just don't know if I can wait this long to talk about this absolute classic from 1990 that spoke to me as a child and as an adult the live action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yes the OG baby Shredder Casey Jones Splinter Turtle Power this is the dark one it, uh, it gets dark. This is the dark one. Yeah. This is the one that had parents up in arms. Uh, we, as they should be, but still. Which I mean, is why we got Secret of the U's. You got to take care of Shredder somehow. <laughs> and I won't, hear, I won't hear slander against Secret of the U's either. Are we really going to do this in a couple weeks? <laughs> yes, we are. All right. And you guys can see us here at Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. Again, for Brian, Ter- for Brian Perez, <laughs> Mark Ellis, and our guest today, Crit, I'm Jacqueline Coley. We'll see you all next week. 